The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and, he shall, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. So in this time of Advent, we are in what is known as the O Antiphons. From December 17th to the 23rd, uh, we have very specific readings that they give us. And, and there's also uh, other, uh, other elements, but yeah, it's known as the O Antiphons. Today's gospel, we hear again about the Annunciation. We hear about Gabriel coming to Mary, that she will be the mother of Jesus. Yesterday, we hear about Gabriel encountering Zechariah and informing Zechariah, who's the father to John the Baptist, that he and Elizabeth will have a child. And before that, on the 18th, we heard about um, Joseph who was betrothed, who had Mary betrothed to him, how he was a righteous man and had found out she was a carrying child and was trying to figure out what to do, but an angel appeared to him uh, to encourage him to stay. And then it all started with actually, on the 17th, the reading of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing is, in these final preparations leading to the birth of Jesus, this final few days, we're getting the big picture about uh, Jesus' like whole genealogy, his whole family, about um, Joseph and his role as the foster father and what was going on in his life, about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and uh, what was going on in their lives that led to John the Baptist. And then today, we get to hear about um, this very popular, commonly known story of the Annunciation of Jesus's, or Mary's yes, her fiat. All of this is meant to help us continue to focus on the fact that it's not yet Christmas. You've got your Christmas show last week. I'm really bummed I missed it. I saw pictures. You looked awesome. I know you went caroling last Friday. I got some videos of that. You sounded great. Um, I showed it to the, the missionaries when I was there at Ohio, and they're just, they just lit up. They thought it was amazing. Um, the ones that visited, they said hello again. So Allie and, and that whole crew says hi. 
we know that we're, we're in a place of celebrating. That's good. But there's an even greater celebration still to come, and it's, it's five days away. Can you, can you be like, is that shocking? Like, it's five days away. It doesn't even feel like it. We were talking before Mass. It's like, it doesn't even feel like Christmas is here. I could use some more snow. I always think snow helps. I'm not sure how everyone else feels about snow. I like snow. That's just my personal opinion. But if we're preparing and we're thinking about these readings and we're thinking about how are they going to help us prepare, let's look at just like what Mary does today. You know? She offers this yes. We call it her fiat. Say fiat. Alright, so does anyone know how to spell that? Just curious. It doesn't spell the way it sounds necessarily. Close. There's an F at the beginning, there's a T at the end. You're very close. Yeah. Fiat. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Fiat. Perfect. Well done. F I A T. Yeah, her, so we call it her fiat, her yes. And we think about the the role Mary was playing in. So here's here's the thing that for some reason, don't know why, it, it causes uh, division amongst Christians. Uh, the idea that, that as the Catholic Church we uh, declare Mary to be um, conceived without sin, which is what we celebrate on the Immaculate Conception, that she has no sin in her, zero, none, zat, nada, um, and that she remains a virgin after her birth. And then other Christians saying like, well, I think she's the mother of God, but I'm not sure she ha didn't have sin in her, da, 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 all this stuff. I'm like, okay, let's just think about for a second what original sin has done to us. Adam and Eve and their creation were perfect. They had zero sin. But they had free will. They had the ability to make choices. And in that choice, they made a choice to go against God, to disobey. Okay? That led to the fall. That leads to, to the fallen state of humanity. That leads to original sin. Leads to mortality. Leads to all these things. If we have original sin in us, which we all do, we still have the ability to choose freely. Yes or yes? Right, we still can choose things. We can choose good things, and sometimes we choose bad things. Okay. That original sin, even when in baptism, when it's washed away, we're left with a, a really fancy word. It's called concupiscence. Say concupiscence. It's a fun word to say. I'm not going to make you spell it. That concupiscence is the inclination to sin. It doesn't mean we're going to, because we can still choose not to. But it means that we might be inclined to at times. We might be tempted to at times. Again, with this, with this reality in our lives, it means that our wills, our wants, the things that we desire, aren't always going to be aligned with God. You know, sometimes we might desire to have that extra gallon of ice cream. Maybe not the best idea, right? It doesn't appear to be a bad thing, but then later we're like, oh, that was awful. I should not have done that, okay? That's concupiscence. That's original sin. Sometimes we might desire, we might, be, we might desire to say, yeah, I'm going to do this thing for the Lord, but I'm really scared that someone's going to judge me or make fun of me or point at me and laugh at me. And that fear prevents us from choosing uh, God's will with us. Okay. 
Mary, if you think about this, so Mary had zero original sin. She had zero anything in her, which meant her whole life, her whole desire, everything about her was perfectly ordered to God. She still had a choice. Her choice could have said yes. She could have said no. But if our life is perfectly ordered to God, why would we not want to say yes to God? That's, I think, the question to pose. So when people try to make this argument about, oh, she did or she didn't have these things, I'm like, no, it actually makes sense that she was conceived without any original sin, that she was made perfect, not just to be the perfect dwelling place of God, but so that she could be perfectly ordered to him. That's what we fight all the time in our lives. That's what we fight daily in, in our choices. Is like, am I making a choice that is in line with God or not? And that's going to be the struggle the rest of our lives. That's okay because, you know, if we make a mistake, we can go to confession, we can do these things. But that's, that's why I think it's so important to recognize Mary's, her yes isn't just, you know, uh, it wasn't an, a blatant like, okay, yeah, no big deal. Like she still had a question. She still is curious about that. But her, her reason of being without sin is that it perfectly ordered her to God so that she could follow God's will from a place of love. Because that's the last part about all this. You know, all these people, all these stories, um, they had hard choices to make. They made the choices out of love. And so as we're getting this final few days before Christmas, the question you kind of have to ask yourselves is amongst your classmates, your, your siblings, your parents, your friends, are you doing things and making choices from a place of love or not? Because if love is not included in our choices, some of the stuff we do just looks like tasks, just looks like checking boxes. Um, like, okay, yeah, I have to go and do this thing. All right, I'll do it begrudgingly. If I do it out of love, I'm not a huge fan of this, but I know it's a good thing, so I'm going. So I don't know how many of you wanted to go sing carols last week for the elderly, but if you did it from a place of love, that's good. And so this, these final days, um, are we acting from a place of love? Are we ordering ourselves to God's will in our lives? Are we making the choices that direct us to Him? Mary gives us the beautiful example of what a, a yes can mean when it's perfectly ordered to God. Um, and the thing is, we can actually make those same yeses. We can make those same choices. So I encourage us just to think about the choices we make, the things that we're going to do. Are we doing them from a place of love? Are we doing it out of an act of love for the other person?